applause. Welcome back to the Middle-Aged Outlaws podcast. Adam, it's episode 69. Hey, and what better way to commemorate that such a such an exciting number by taking in the powers that be era in WCW. How are you doing, Adam? You are right? Yeah, I'm good. Um, this is, maybe this will feel therapeutic, talking about some of this, in a Just way. Just getting it off your chest. Yeah. Yeah. Have you got? Um, I know we're both outlaws. Have you got pistols on you? Um, I feel like you're setting me up for something. I don't know what to say. Uh, no, no pistols. Good. I was going to say holster them because Eric Bischoff has been sent home. Vince Russo and Ed Ferrara and Creative can charge, and we are shooting, brother. Oh, so Buff Bagwell, Buff Bagwell, especially. Because he's buff, and he's got the stuff. Let's get ready to talk men up north. Um, But before that, we're in 1999. Shall we talk about our film for this week? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. It was an anticipated one. Uh, More for you than it was for me. I was terrified to watch it, but my fears did not come true. So we watched The Blair Witch Project this week, which was the the top horror film from 1999. Um, I've got a little, a little synopsis here. Yep. Do, 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 do. The, this is a fictional story of three student filmmakers who hike into the Black Hills near Burkittsville, Maryland in 1994 to fill out a documentary about a local myth known as the Blair Witch. The three disappear, but their equipment and footage are dis- discovered a year later the purportedly found footage is the movie which we see. How do you enjoy, however many years on, 24 years on, how do you enjoy the Blair Witch Project? You don't look confused. I, I think I saw, like, I think I've seen it once since seeing it at the cinema. Um, like, I really enjoyed it at the cinema, and I still remember really enjoying it and thinking, not so much that it scared me, but I think it was really different. Like you, it was the first of what became, I don't know, almost a weekly release of this kind mm-hmm. of film. Yeah. Um, so it was a bit different. It felt new. It felt fresh. It was quite. I thought it was quite intense. Um, and like that. Um, you know, we discussed this. I think when we were talking about the cube, about seeing the people involved sort of start to just disintegrate Unravel. mentally. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I rewatched it this time, and there were maybe things annoying me about it that didn't really previously. Like, you know, I'm all I'm usually okay with a bit of a wobbly camera because you know what it is. It's supposed to be real. It's supposed to be that these people are hand holding these, and and what you're getting is the 
this sort of camera view of somebody who is terrified and holding a camera to their face. Mm-hmm. The the woman is quite annoying. The lead actress quite annoying, but um, at, at times her outrage is, I think, quite right. Uh, at times it's just I don't know. It's like it's there to annoy you. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, it didn't it didn't hit the way I'd maybe hoped it would, and the way it did when I watched it years ago. I thought it was fine, but it, it no longer struck me as anything special. Yeah, it's it's a novelty. Of, it, you you can't unwatch it. You can't watch it for the mm-hmm. second time, and, yeah. and it's a bit like Sixth yeah. Sense in that way. Yeah. Um, yeah, the first time watching it is the time that it's going to sort of knock you off your feet. Yeah. Um, there were bits and pieces that I enjoyed. I found the the female character quite annoying as well, but I mean putting her circumstances and, and having read a little bit about how they filmed it, um, it sounds like improvisation was very much uh, the key uh, thing that they were told. They they were they lived out there in that forest, however long it took mm-hmm. them to film it, and the, uh, the production was quite far removed from them. I think they maybe had walkie-talkies or something like that. Yeah. Um, I think they told the guy... <laughs> They told the guy to. Well, it's either it's definitely you know how one of them disappears towards the end. Yeah, they yeah. they didn't tell the actors that that was going to happen. They just told him they gave him a note okay. uh, and told him to disappear in the middle of the night, which is crazy. Yeah, uh, really cool. And I, yeah. I I think they told the guy to destroy the map as well, and and all that's okay. improvised as well. Um, so stuff like that, little bits and pieces like that is quite cool. It was it was the map bit where I was a wee bit on her side. Like, yeah, I mean, don't what do that. Gigantic <laughs> asshole thing to do. <laughs> the, the thing that used to really mess me up about this film was the very, very end, spoilers for the Blair Witch Project, the very, very end where, is it Josh? Which one's Josh? No matter. There's three of them. There's Heather, yeah. Michael, and, and, and Josh. They're they're shouting on, I think it's Michael, it disappears. Um, mm-hmm. And they've uh, spoke, they, they spoke to people uh, around the area about all the different myths and all that, and they talked about, um, like, a, a, nothing to do with the Blair Witch, but they talked about someone who would kill two children at one time. It would kill one and make the other one face the corner mm-hmm. and whilst because he didn't like to be watched whilst he was killing people. And then we get to that little house and Josh, I think it is, is in the corner and we just see her, you know, for the for the camera perspective, we see her getting knocked over. That messed me up seeing that the very first time. Okay. The fact that he's, I don't know, like an 18 to 20 year old man that is just powerless and he's just stood there in the corner looking down and doesn't move. It used to freak me out. Anyway, watching, I was terrified to watch it, but watching it back, it was fine. Like I say, I think it loses all sort of power after you've seen it the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's, yeah. I, I think the idea of the film's more interesting now than actually watching the film back. Yeah. I think when you do take into account when it was done, the fact, you know, there hadn't really been something like that before. And, you know, such a small budget and basically, you know, slayed Hollywood with it. Um, it was obviously a huge success with what it was and what it became. Um, it probably prompted far too many 
imitation films mm-hmm. of one kind or another. And I, I, I think because they're probably so cheap to do, there's so many bad ones, like just unwatchable ones yeah. out there. Uh, because I imagine you can do it on, a, especially nowadays, you can do it on next to nothing as a budget. Um, but yeah, it, it def- you're right in what you say. I think what I would say, there's some films that, you know, I, I always go to like um, The Usual Suspects and Saw as films that have that moment in it. And once you've seen it, you can watch the film again. But I can actually watch those films again and still enjoy the film, whereas this one, I, I couldn't really get into it. I struggled with uh, it. Yeah, exactly. same. Found footage-wise, what, what films you've said that there's a lot of bad ones, what what good ones would you highlight? Oh, good we, ones. We would say Creep, Creep 1 and 2. Oh, yeah, I really like both of those. You just watched them, was it this year? You yeah, just watched yeah, them for the first time. Absolutely yeah. brilliant, yep. Yeah, those are good. I, I didn't I didn't put them on expecting much, and I was so pleasantly surprised by both of them. I thought they were excellent. Definitely. Mark, yeah. Mark Plus. Uh, Cloverfield? Yeah, I haven't watched that for a very, very long time. I wonder what that's like to watch now, but uh, I really enjoyed that, however many years ago I watched it. And um, Paranormal Activity kind of took the whole Blair Witch thing and and pushed it on a little bit, I would say. Yeah, it never never gave me the scares. I remember watching the first one and thinking, aye, that's, that's, that's okay, you know, it's an okay film. But I think there was something, it was right at the end that it ruined it when... Cause I'm more into the mystery and the not knowing, and then when you know some ghoulish thing walks up to the camera and goes, "Eh," that kind of ruins it for me. <laughs> Class. That's what we were saying about the ring last time. The difference yeah. between the sort of Asian version yeah. and the, the the American version. <laughs> okay. Cool. Well, that was our um, that was our horror. Let's move on to some really, really horrific. Wrestling. High point. It was, <laughs> uh, and yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's move on to our tenth, I believe. Our tenth. Yep, yeah, we started this ten ten pay per views ago, or is this the eleventh? Wow. This is the eleventh Halloween Havoc. Um, once again, we're we're in Vegas. Uh, like Sting told us, he came to Vegas for a fight, and he wasn't leaving without a fight. Well, did he? Did he still? Did he even get one? Questionable. Um. Yeah. Yeah, 24th October 1999, we're in the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. We've got the gargoyle again, so it's got that going for it, at least with the yep. big pumpkin, the sort of raven gargoyle. Yeah. Uh, opening video package gives us... What, what's the story with Sid here? Were you getting like sort of Harley race from the way yeah. that he was going about? I think so, yeah. Um, so we, we've we've talked about Sid a few times, and I think we both really, really quite like Sid. He's got some in, you know, definitely. Um, but yeah, they they had him aligned with Race for a while, didn't they? And I've thought, is is he maybe trying to, you know, become a Harley Race type uh, here? So yeah. So he's feuding with Goldberg. Uh, Sid is the US champion. Mm-hmm. The US belt seemed to be the the more prominent title yeah. based on what they're doing here. Um, uh-huh. I suppose before we go any further, we've obviously talked about it, we should say that Bischoff was sent home in September. This is October. Uh-huh. Uh, Ed Ferrara and Vince Russo have moved from WWF uh, along with Jeff Jarrett. And uh, this is their first pay-per-view. And 
you can really, really tell. <laughs> a lot yeah, the, of the, the creative decisions here are baffling. Yeah, they, they, they're leaning quite... It, it comes across like um, Sid and Goldberg is the biggest deal here, which uh-huh. is interesting because you've got a Sting v. Hogan match for the world title also on the card. Um, and I was trying to get my head around because I think there's a video package, but maybe it, it it definitely touches on, I think there was a clause or there seemed to be a clause that if Goldberg touched Sid, he would lose his title shot, but then he yeah. does it and nothing seems to change anyway. <laughs> um, and then they kind of almost as a an afterthought, there's a bit of Sting and Hogan uh, stuff. And I couldn't quite work out because ho- there's no longer certainly a prominent NWO. I don't think there is an NWO no, at all done, anymore done. here. Yeah. Um, and I was trying to figure out, is Hogan babyface and Sting heel? But then nothing that really happens later on would play into that, but we'll, we'll get to that. So Hogan was red and yellow Hogan at this point. Sting was heel. Yeah. Aye. Yeah. Um, the idea had been to give Flair, Hogan and Savage to write them off TV and to try and elevate uh, some younger talent so that's mm-hmm. why they were doing a lot of stuff with the filthy animals which we'll talk about mm-hmm. later on that was apparently Russo and Ferrara's thing that they wanted to everybody have a story which they mm-hmm. did um, attitude era wise and to give some of the older faces time off and um, develop some WCW younger talent which in principle all of that sounds great oh yeah yeah, nothing wrong with that as an idea. I suppose it's about how you execute it. Indeed, indeed. Oh well. Um, here's a here's a WCW homegrowner to start us off. It's our boy, the Disco Inferno, the cruiserweight champion. I, um, I remember. I know we've we've still got one to go after this, but I remember saying a few ago that if there was one guy that was still going to be there at the end and be on all the shows, it would be Disco Inferno. It just seemed inevitable. Do you think Lash LaRue will also be there um, next time? I don't know why, but I had no idea who this was, uh, Lash LaRue. And when he came out, I still, you know, sometimes you'll see a guy and think, oh yeah, that's ah, yeah I guy. still had no idea who he was. Um, and I don't know him by any other name after this, either. No, no me neither. Uh, also questionable if either of these men would uh, qualify as a cruiserweight. Mm, yeah. Very substantial gentleman. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be honest with you my notes on a lot of these matches are not good one I've been unwell okay. and two I was angry watching a lot of this um, okay. so, stop trying notes so, yeah. I've got some I okay. don't have an awful lot for some of them but I do have some Okay. some of them might not be that helpful but well, yeah, I can go through them um, some, something, it, sorry, something I did notice with this match and a few other matches is that Shivani has possibly checked out by now because yeah. in numerous matches he says, and he hits his move. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if he's, you know, applied for jobs. <laughs> <laughs> writing, writing his resume as he as he speaks. <laughs> um, yeah, I've, so I'll go through my notes. Uh, the first one I've got is, I can't believe the crowd are still into this disco entrance because they seem to be... Um, I don't the know music. that they're into it. Once the bell rings, so yeah, it, it probably is just the music. So, um, are we saying that Disco Inferno is like the original Seth Rollins? Maybe, 
They yeah. all just like the oh, and then I mean, I, I do think maybe from a you know worker point of view, it's maybe a wee bit harsh. Disco's a bit maybe. better in the in the ring. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I've got yeah, I don't know, Lash. Uh, oh, I've really early gone with that. I just can't bring myself to care about this. Oh, dear. And then uh, a bit clunky. Uh, Lash nearly falls off the top rope before a flying head scissors that was clearly meant to lead to a cover but Disco went too close to the ropes and halfway under Disco goes full Bret Hart with a side Russian leg sweep and then a wee dance I don't think Bret did the dance um, and then he goes up the top uh, up the ropes for a gyration and then an elbow Ooh. drop and I'm I'm getting a wee bit annoyed I'm right and this is not the best there is the best there was or the best there ever will be you think he's biting well for his finishing movie hits some version of a stunner did he do that last time yeah I think so Yeah, okay. um, he he hits uh, Lash with a pile driver it's um, a nice pile driver yeah I tend to wince every time I see a pile driver mm. a little bit but it, it, it looked safe it looked okay um, <laughs> we've got a, a, what's referred to I think as a short power bomb by Lash Um and Disco, yeah, Disco hits a stunner, which I think they refer to as the last dance. Um, nice. So Disco retains. The announcers were really trying to put over Lash, like mm, talking about how talented he was and stuff like that. And then Lash has a, a wee, he's not very happy at the end. So it kind of does, it's almost like an F5 type move. It's a, cool, they, it's, it's a really cool move. Yeah. They say, though, that it was on the belt. Like, it, it wasn't, um, oh, but but I think it was already. maybe intended to be. Um, I, I think part of his body maybe landed on the belt. It, it was nowhere near his head, but you know, it it wasn't great, and I I worry it set a really negative tone because I didn't. I've tried not to go into these shows thinking this is going to be shit, but when it doesn't get you off to a flying start when you're not invested at the start it's going to really take something to bring you back into it need to lift it up well the the, the classic baby face behaviour of attacking a champion after he's just beat you clean from Lash LaRue if that didn't bring you back into it then you know maybe it was a a double turn maybe this is you know your classic Austin Brett moment nice well he's hit a stunner and he's hit a Russian leg sweep uh, backstage we see Dean Malenko and Chris Benoit who have been in Japan um, arriving, they appear to be in some sort of a faction with the, well, a lot of factions going on here mm-hmm. in WCW yep. at this point, so we must have Shane Douglas uh, Saturn, Malenko and Benoit as the revolution mm-hmm. You were, and um, Malenko's like where you guys been? Shane's been trying to get a hold of you and then Malenko he, he goes pretty Oscar worthy performance here he tells Malenko to tell Shane to stick the revolution up his ass which is um, yeah yeah. Yeah, so the the story they're kind of telling here is that uh, Benoit and Malenko are going to walk off on their own away from the revolution Um, I quite like the the sound of this faction just with the people involved in it but I I was never aware it was a thing Um, I do know there was always a story that when the radicals jumped, Shane Douglas was hoping to jump with them. Um, but it sounds Douglas. like they just kind of didn't call him back or something like that. Um, and I don't think he was in 
the good graces of the likes of Vince at the time. Um, so it never happened. But I suppose they're they're obviously working together uh, to at least some extent here. Because uh, I always thought when I heard it, it's a bit of an odd fix. You never really saw him with these guys, but I suppose he's, he's with them here. Interesting. Uh, it would have been funny to hear that. You know the, the classic Who Hired Johnny Polo story? Quite funny mm-hmm. to have heard the who who hired Dean Douglas back. Um, <laughs> now here's one of my highlights of this pay per view. Uh, we have got the Harlem Heat backstage with Iron Mike Tenay, and uh, Booker goes off on one in one of his usual tirades, and at the end of it, he says, "Now can you dig that man to um, to Tenay?" And Tenay, completely straight face, says, "I can relate to that." <laughs> <laughs> When he when he started, I thought, "Is he going to say dig?" And he, he didn't. And I can't decide if it would have been better if he had, or the fact that he didn't was quite good. And then Stevie Ray just talks, and yeah, the, the, what seems to happen here is I think the tag team champions was Rey Mysterio and Conan, and Rey Mysterio's got injured, so they've stripped the filthy animals of the titles. And they've now booked a street fight, falls count anywhere, triple threat match. Of course they have. To, to give us new tag team champions. Whereas in the old um, Freebirds rule style of things, surely Kidman could have just stepped in and been yeah. um, Mysterio's substitute. Yeah, given they are uh, established as a collective, you would have thought so. Um, yeah. So this is. This is Harlem Heat against the Filthy Animals and something called the First Family, yep. which is Brian Nobbs and Hugh Morris. Had you ever heard of the First Family? No. Yeah, me neither. And they come out with creepy masks on. Is it them that come out? I think it is them that come out with creepy masks on. Yeah, one of them's got like a, like a monkey mask on and yeah. Hugh Morris has got um, something weird on. Now, how did you... Um... Oh, two questions, right? Brian Nobbs without Jerry Sags, I'm not interested in. You know, we saw them be quite entertaining as um, sort of a, an early pre pre WWE run Nasty Boys, which I think we both quite like. Brilliant, um, yeah. Young sort of then, fresh face, they look like gangsters yeah. sort of thing. They look great, yeah. And then we saw them a bit later. I think after they'd maybe been away and come back, and we're a bit like, oh, this is just kind of what they were in WWE Coasting now. now. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not interested in one without the other. So uh, I, I was a bit like, man. But also, how did you feel when you heard there would be two referees? Well, uh, yeah. So in my notes, I wrote two refs, so you know this is going to be a mess. <laughs> Immediately, as soon as they said there was two refs, and it's false count anywhere, you know that we're getting two winners. This is, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've got my notes here that, first of all, first of all, actually, the filthy animals, I love the idea of the filthy animals as a faction. Conan, mm-hmm. Rey Mysterio, Eddie and Kidman you had Tori with Kidman and they were doing this gimmick where she would like come out with a video camera or one of them would have a video camera yeah. and they were like videoing all this sort of uh, stuff that they were doing, sort of cheap mm-hmm. heelish type behaviour. It's a cool yep. collective of people yep. um, they seem to be getting a bit of a push which is in line with what I was saying about what they were wanting to do with younger talent they were involved with mm-hmm. Ric Flair uh, I liked them. Really liked them. Yep. 
yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, and they um, can all. Well, I've pro- of all of them, I've probably seen the least of Conan in the ring, but they all seem decent in ring workers. And yeah, the sort of it came across maybe not here as much as something that happens a bit later on, but quite edgy. Um, like in a, a cool in a good Latino way that didn't feel. Sort of thing. Yeah, it didn't look or feel forced or false. Um, yeah, yeah, that that could have I think worked and been something. This match, as soon as as soon as you've got Brian Nobbs and, and Hugh Morris, who kind of just looked like, you know, like Brian Nobbs is still just wearing his nasty boy stuff. It uh-huh. was a bit like WWE two yeah. K, and they've just put you in a storyline <laughs> with somebody else, and they kind of change yeah. your clothes. Um, yeah, as soon as I saw them two, we started getting trash cans and that. Remember mm. that? What was it? The Nasty Boys versus who? Oh, that absolute J- Johnny shit show. Grunge and that that other guy. Oh yeah. Yeah, and it was um, false count anywhere, uh, and it was just a mess. It was terrible. a double strap match. That's what it was. Oh, it was terrible. That's what this reminded me of. Yeah, just I found stinking. it like really quickly. I lost interest. I think it was the trash cans coming out, and then I think is it every, everyone's in the ring all the time, so you don't know what to follow. You don't know what to look at. Jimmy Hart's getting tables out. Um, I'm like, what's what's the point of this? I think there, there was a, f- a few things I'd notes about Hugh, Hugh Morris off the top through Conan, who he'd placed on a table in the ring. Um, but then I, I think the, the whole time, what you predicted, which I also thought is exactly what happens because there's stuff going on in the ring. There's uh, Harlem Heat have someone in the back and they get the first pin. Um, and the ref has counted the pin, the ref has followed them as they've gone through the back. Uh, having their fight. Uh, who would have thought this problem could occur in a street fight rules match with two referees? <laughs> uh, so Harlem Heat uh, get the win. I think, is it is it the Filthy Animals have, have basically got a win in the ring? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, but the referees confer and realise the other one was first. That had happened first. So Kidman's got hold of one belt. Harlem Heat have got another, but they, they end up, I think, getting hold of both. Kidman's furious, but yeah. Ten, ten time tag team champions, Harlem, Harlem Heat. Well, I've got my notes here. Sometimes you can be watching wrestling and be quite sort of enjoying it and uh, taken in by it. And somebody mm-hmm. can, you know, somebody else walks in the room and you immediately feel embarrassed. <laughs> That's how I felt watching this match, and oh. nobody walked in the room. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> There was one <laughs> one line at the right at the end by Bobby Heenan that made me laugh a bit, which was so Conan selling an injury, and Heenan just says, "You know what they do to horses," which just made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, that's class. Uh, Adam, how do you like your masturbation theme promos? Well, I'm not a big fan. <laughs> like, I think maybe if someone were to sneak in some euphemisms and references without it being, you know, I was going to say in your face, which doesn't sound great with the topic, but you, you know what I mean. But yeah, I mean, when it's just, when it's just saying it, <laughs> I don't know, it, it doesn't really work for me. Just when, what, you don't like the sort of nuance of somebody shouting, let's whack it and jack it all night long. Nah, I think, <laughs> I think it, it, it makes me. It makes me kind of want to switch off, but obviously mm. I couldn't. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> uh, and uh, 
the perpetrator here is DDP with his wife Kimberly, who's dressed like a lettuce. What is it that um, he then says something like, well, that's the biggest artichoke I've ever seen or something like that. It's just, uh, they're, they've, they've done an angle where Kimberly was setting up David Flair to meet her in a hotel room, but instead of David, it was Rick. And yeah, you can just imagine if you can imagine what it would be like if Ric Flair was to surprise a woman in her hotel room coming out the bathroom and he's doing like those little steps and going woo, little steps and that's exactly what it was like yeah. um, and yeah. he, he, he he spanked her her backside 14 times apparently yeah and that's she, leading she liked it when Paige does it but not when Flair was doing not when, it no, well I mean that's understandable that's her husband but yeah, yeah. Um, so that is why we then get a lot of references to spanking, whacking, and jacking. Um, yeah. yeah. So they're going to have a strap match. So do you think that that wasn't um, previously advertised and this is the first that the pay-per-view <laughs> by in public are, are like, oh, DDP and Ric Flair in a strap match. Like, that might be useful to stick <laughs> on the on the banner. Yeah, I don't, I don't think... Um... Russo would have cared that much about that. It'd just be, you know, if it's basically if it's not in the TV show the next night, then he's he's probably not that bothered. I wouldn't have thought. Crash car wrestling, bro. <laughs> uh, where are we going next? Yes, another Tinny. Yeah, go on, go on. I was going to say it's a filthy animals promo, but I wasn't. I wasn't going to jump in with Tinny. I don't have any in my notes about what oh, Tinny does. So so oh. good. It's, it's Eddie Guerrero with Mike Tinney and he's got a Rolex on, gold mm-hmm. Rolex and, and obviously Flair's had his Rolex stolen from him the previous night or whatever and uh, Tinney eyes up, he says is that a Rolex? Looks a lot like the one that Ric Flair had uh, stolen yeah. and, and Guerrero says, are you calling me a thief? And again, straight faces you're like, I never use the word thief <laughs> Nice. Why did he, he never uses the word thief? Never. I, w- never. I wasn't sure if he's, I think he was meaning I never used the word yeah. thief, but he says I never <laughs> use the word thief. It's a bad never. word in my house. Yep, wouldn't use it. No, no. Good work from Tinny. <laughs> a poor man's Lee Marshall at heart, but. He's good doing his best to keep you entertained, at least. <laughs> um, Eddie. Who's Eddie taking on? Perry Saturn. I don't Perry recall Saturn. anything else but promo, but I was, I was blindsided by. Tony never was, using the word thief. I think more of it was about um, the the filthy animals and flair rather than it being pointed at uh, Saturn that much. But um, yeah, I was quite because we we go straight from there to Guerrero against Saturn. I was I was a wee bit enthusiastic for this um, when I saw who was going to be in it because I even though so Guerrero's in a different faction than the one that there's these issues going on with. But you just always associate Guerrero with these other guys, mm-hmm. but it's fine. Um, so I thought this this could be quite entertaining. But see, at the start of it, he, Eddie comes down and he leaves the watch with Bobby Heenan, mm-hmm. who he says he trusts. This is Bobby Heenan, who's like, well, firstly, like the weasel, the, the one of the most untrustworthy characters <laughs> ever in wrestling, but also a very long-time confidant of Ric Flair. But, but I was I was half expecting him to just you know shuffle it in another pocket and say he was never given it. <laughs> that would have been uh, classic. 
To be fair, Heenan talked glowingly about Guerrero in 97 when we watched Havoc, and then he started yes. doing it again on this pay-per-view. He's one, yeah. of, one of his favourite wrestlers and all that. Maybe they've got mm-hmm. a little bond. Yeah, um, yeah. This was an alright wrestling match, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you can tell it was an alright re- right wrestling match because the fans start shouting boring, just start chanting boring <laughs> for them. <laughs> yeah, what did they want? Did, 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 they, did they want I, like more disco? Do they... Car crash wrestling, bro. Mm. Sorry, I'll stop yeah. that. Yeah, no, it's a good match. It's a good match. Yeah, I think it was my favourite on the card. I'm not sure if that's saying a huge amount. It's um... definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got a few notes I can walk through. Yeah, Saturn is incredibly aggressive. <laughs> like, right from the off here, he's a madman. He's chucking Guerrero about. Guerrero's, you know, he will bump for people. Takes uh, quite a bump on the steps uh, early on. Um, there's a nice power bomb with a bridge for a two count by Saturn, for Saturn. Um, Eddie is selling, being very hurt uh, several times. He keeps making these little comebacks and Saturn keeps overpowering him. Um, nice suplex with a, a release by Saturn, and he's going after the leg, which Guerrero's uh, selling as as being injured. Um, we get a big suplex by uh, Eddie, but um, Saturn then moves out the way to avoid the frog splash. Yeah. Uh, Saturn springboards off the ropes. Eddie catches him with a nice, nicely timed midair drop kick. Very cool. Um, uh Fallaway suplex off the top by Saturn on Eddie, um, which I, I thought when they were doing it had all kinds of risk attached to it, but I don't think do, it was yeah, a bad one. You don't see that a lot. It was a cool move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Eddie suplex in Saturn off the top. Ric Flair is walking down with a crowbar. Um, Flair with a crowbar shot to Eddie's ribs. So Saturn gets DQ'd. Seems a bit harsh when that kind of thing happens. Um, he had nothing to do with it. <laughs> um, we've got Kidman running down and Flair quickly taking him out as well. Tory's down. Flair, he's he's a rascal. He's um, he's indicating at first he's going to hit her with the crowbar, but no. no. Even worse. He kisses her. Um, he dances around in a Ric Flair way. But after it, Tori's she's got a beaming smile aboard her. She's she's seeming delighted with what's just happened. She wants to ride um, Space Mountain. Yeah, quite. Yeah. Um Do, do you remember the time where um there was something happened where Vince kissed Tori and like a shower like they were in like a shower scene. It's possibly one of the most oh. disgusting things I've ever seen on WWF TV. His oh. mouth is like wide oh, open when he's going to kiss her. It made like, me think of that. My mind goes mo- mostly with Vince. My mind goes to the uh, Trish Strat stuff mostly because I think uh, he was he was kind of all over her <laughs> in in many a segment. Uh, but yeah, that that doesn't surprise me. Disgusting. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, Flair comes back and gets his watch from Heenan, which he would mm-hmm. do. Um I thought it was quite funny that this was probably the only match on the card where there's actually a good little back and forth bit of wrestling and it mm-hmm. ends up where uh, neither guy is sort of highlighted and it's sort of Flair and, yeah. and 
Tory that, that come out the end of it. I, I enjoyed the in-ring. I thought they told a decent in-match in story um, for, for as long as it went. But yeah, it's, I suppose it would be too much to expect any kind of clean finish. Mm. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, backstage, the, we we are rushed backstage because Goldberg is beating the living shit out of Sid. Yeah. <laughs> and he is an absolute mess. Uh, once he realises there are cameras on him, he starts shouting, is that all you've got? Yeah. <laughs> Which I quite liked. <laughs> <laughs> um, this goes from backstage to the ring for a promo then backstage, then backstage somewhere else before we get another match um, Buff Bagwell's in the ring and this is where we start shooting bro, because yeah. he's talking about the writers from up north, the powers that be you know, as soon as you start talking about writers creative, anything like that it's gone. You can't get it back. You cannot put yeah. the toothpaste back in the tube after you've done that. No. Yeah. So stupid. Like there, there is a that like I think an on-screen authority figure can work because well, it's been done to death, which maybe why it shouldn't be done right now. But at least you know that is a potentially a hiring and firing person and a person yeah. saying you get the title shot and that kind of thing, you know, assigning the referees to matches, all that side of the kind of things. But even acknowledging that there are writers, you've you've killed it. Imagine what's a show that you're in the middle of watching just now? Uh, uh, oh. um, something about neighbours. Um, the people next door or the neighbours or something like that. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> never, okay. never even heard of it. It's the only one I can think of that we're watching right now. Imagine Chandler was like, Chandler walks into um, Central Perk and he's like, I was going to go to the movies tonight, but the writers made me go and do this instead. <laughs> I really hope if that did happen, he would have said it exactly like that. <laughs> Could they be more, more any more annoying? <laughs> It's just so silly. Uh, yeah. It's like yeah. as as yeah. It's just Russo, isn't it? Because he he doesn't really like wrestling. He likes like uh-huh. what what we've been told is he likes like the Jerry Springer stuff and all that. And he can't. I don't think he can help himself. Like especially, you know, he probably. I suspect he went into that company thinking it's a matter of time before I'm on screen. That's that's Absolutely. it. Get myself out there. Vic Venom, WCW champion. <laughs> it's always been said that Vince McMahon's greatest power was to like be able to filter Vince Russo's ideas. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and in WCW, I think they're only really in creative charge for a really short time and then someday some clever person decides that they need a, a creative uh, booking team and, and, and uh, Russo decides to leave after that. Yeah. Um, anyway, anyway, we digress. Uh, for some reason, Bagwell calls out Jeff Jarrett. Are, are they doing the whole like Jeff Jarrett's friends with the, those these I, two guys up north? I assume so because I know it does very much go in a direction of Jarrett is their guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't know if that happened straight away, but this kind of points to it, it must have. So, so Jeff comes out with his guitar. They have a bit of a brawl. Uh, for some reason. The artist formerly known as Lex Luger appears. Uh, he's called the Total Package. He tries to nail Jeff Jarrett with the guitar, but just sort of dunks Bagwell yeah. in the head. Um, yeah. Then smashes it off a turnbuckle just to show that it was gimmicked. 
clunky, horrible segment. Backstage, Tenez with Sid, and we get a a bleeding, angry Sid promo, really. Um, Then we cut to Eddie's on the phone to Ray. Of all the people in that group to call, I don't don't know if Ray's the one. (laughs) But he's like, come on, Ray, we need you to get back to the, the arena and help me. I mean, what you're saying is if you've got Tori's number, you just call that? Um, I was, uh-huh, well, <laughs> Conan, I was thinking, he's the bigger guy here. Well, he's, uh, he's also, I think Conan often came out, he's always, like, referenced as being, like, an unofficial leader for loads of these people, so why not just make him the guy, you know? Make him the leader. Yeah. Uh, okay. Right, here's a change in pace. Yeah. How good is Brad Armstrong's entrance music? I actually I actually liked Brad Armstrong. I I don't know that I was overly aware of him. Um he's cuz he's he's Road Dog's brother, isn't he? Mm, yeah. I think he I think he maybe passed away quite young. Um, oh, well, Brad Armstrong did. I think so. Yeah. Well, you're not um, talking about Road Dog, are you? No. I, th- I think he did, but uh, I quite liked him. But I liked um, him too. He's a definite throwback. He, yeah, he, yeah. He looks. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think the only t- like... other time we've seen him is when they fed him at Goldberg on, on a pay per view, isn't it? Oh, that's right. Yeah, so obviously they're from a a wrestling family, um, and I think I think Road Dogs often said that you know, in terms of in ring ability. He was absolutely nowhere near Brad, but he he could talk. He could talk oh, really? very well, Road Dog. Yeah. Um, one of them, what, what, one of them's a WWE referee. Is that yeah, Scott yeah, Armstrong? Right. Yeah, yeah. What did you make of the presentation of Berlin? And absolutely nowhere near Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Uh, to be oh. fair, to be fair to Alex, right, you would never have known that that was the same guy. That's true. Um, I did. I, I kind of watched this and thought, is 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 there a war on right <laughs> now? I, uh... When he came out, they had this sort of Benetton t-shirt, a uh, jumper on that was like United States of America, and he was pointing at it, and I was thinking, what is... Like, I, I was starting to think, when was 9 11? Yeah. <laughs> I was like confused. <laughs> and then Berlin comes out and he's with this guy called The Wall. Um, yeah. Yeah, I th- I, that, that was weird. Let's do Germany versus America. I, 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 I thought there were some decent exchanges between the two in the match. I thought, thought there were some moments. Um,. Heenan spends quite a lot of time talking up the the lineage of the Armstrong family, trying nice. to you know make it seem important. Um, but yeah, uh, what do we go to? Is it a? Oh, I think it's a reverse neck breaker for Dude. the pin win for for Brad. But it kind of seemed to come out of nowhere. It did. It was a bit of a one sided. So uh, I was thinking to myself, this is just like a too long squash. I assumed this was mm-hmm. a squash because Armstrong kind of is just a bit of a um, a Brooklyn brawler sort of mm-hmm. enhancement talent, they call it, don't they? Yeah, um, yeah. That's what that felt like this was. And then he 
pulled the pulled the uh, the win out of nowhere. <laughs> I was old... very surprised that he won. He got his ass kicked after it, didn't he? He did. Heidenreich yeah. came in and barred him. Um or whoever that was. <laughs> Berlin and yeah. the wall. Like that's just that's that's just lazy. I mean, it's all good to try and have a story for everyone, but probably better not. <laughs> uh, backstage, Ric Flair's very excited. He is uh, with Mike Tenay, shouting, and then he starts whispering, and he's getting excited about spanking Kimberly, and I reached for the remote because I was uncomfortable. Yeah. Not good. No. Just you know, just as bad as uh, Undertaker and DDP's program was, and what it was all based around. This yeah. program is is up there as well. DDP and yeah. Ric Flair sounds cool. Sounds good. Yeah, it's a shame. Yes. Okay. Well, talking about a shame. Um, here's a, a match that sounded great on paper: World Television Title Match, Chris Benoit, the champion, defending against Rick Steiner. Rick Steiner, who we saw last year at this event, like pushed as the ultimate baby face that he ended up winning the tag team titles on his own. Uh, this sounded good. An execution? Yep. I mean, what, what have they done to Rick? I mean, it was, we were on board. We were there. We were, we were with him. We, we felt for him. We celebrated his success. He now seems to be some sort of Angry biker, um, yep, and yeah, I, I, I immediately thought this is going to be very physical. Mm-hmm. This is probably not going to be anyone you know holding back in their shots here. Um, but I just, I don't, I don't really like Rick Steiner being this. I don't, no. I don't take anything from it. <laughs> what does his, what's his slogan seem to be? It's like if you want to. F- what, what was it? Because people had it on a sign, yeah. but it didn't make sense. It was really stupid. <laughs> if you want a bite, come get a fight sort of thing. It just... It, it was... I've never seen Benoit get so one-sided beat down yeah. in a match for yeah for that long. Um, just Steiner's just seems a bit beat up and slow. and He's really slow. And kind of... It, to the point it's noticeable because you know Benoit can go you know know, he would have his moments in a match where it's fast paced it's intense and all that but I got the impression it had to be at a slower pace yep there's a horrible bit in this match where (laughs) there's a lot of horrible bits but there's a really horrible bit where Benoit Steiner's tried to use a chair Benoit's turned the tables on him and the chair is lying on Rick Steiner Benoit goes up top for the flying headbutt and Steiner just, as Benoit's coming down, just throws the chair up in there right towards his face with like, yeah. without any sort of consideration of where it might hit him. Yeah, yeah. That could have went yeah, so wrong. It kind of feels like, I've got in my notes, that it feels like Steiner's taken some liberties with <laughs> Absolutely. him. Absolutely. Um, and you don't like to see that because, yeah, I have no doubt Benoit's the kind of guy that's like, make it look real late in. That's fine. But there, there's there's a line. Um, <laughs> and then I, th- I think there's the boring chance again here. 
Um, and I was kind of with them on this one. I think I was just waiting for it to end. Um, oh, there, there's a there's a move where it looked like Steiner gave up. He, he was going for a power bomb on Benoit, but instead of like sort of catching him and throwing him back down, he just let yeah. him go. He just threw him over, over his, his head, head, basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That wasn't good. We we get the uh, the trio of suplexes by Benoit. Nice. Um, the last one with a bridge for a two. Then that's just before the ref gets taken out. Um, Steiner has a chair. Benoit ducks, suplexed, then chair shot. Yeah, I think that's just that all in the build up to Benoit going for the headbutt and Steiner throwing the chair, like you mentioned. Yeah, but there's one thing that the announcer said. One of the announcers said this, and they say it twice in the match, and it was the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life uh, which is they, without sarcasm or without obvious sarcasm they refer to Rick Steiner as a thinking man's wrestler that's not what Rick Steiner's ever supposed to have been he's like a ball <laughs> of badness yeah come on if you need to make him a biker okay do whatever don't start claiming he's a thinking man's wrestler the excellence of execution <laughs> Rick Steiner <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, so we get I think it's just after that we get Malenko coming down he uh, grabs the chair and you know he was convincing him what he said at, at the doorway you know but yeah he, he, he takes out Benoit with the chair so Malenko is still aligned with that group as it turns out um, because so Steiner gets the win and is a new TV champ because Malenko's hit Benoit with a chair then rolled the ref back in um, and then I think it's Saturn Saturn comes down they, uh, he and Malenko kind of look like they're about to face off but they embrace they, uh, they screwed Benoit and they say hi to Shane because that's Shane Douglas seems to be the, the mastermind behind it all indeed Bit of a, a Hogan-esque dink with the chair from Malenko, yeah. I thought. Yeah. He'd maybe thought uh, Benoit had enough after Steiner had thrown him <laughs> about the ring. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, backstage with Tanae, he's with Bret Hart, and I don't like to say it, Adam, but I don't think Bret can be that long back from uh, coming back after Owen's death. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has the match with Benoit dedicated to Owen on Nitro. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's not that far. This feels like a bit like Brett's checked out a bit. Yeah. Even... I, I think so. And I think though for understandable reasons. Of course. Um, I mean you, I, I can't even imagine. And then you know going back into that business that you're probably feeling pretty bitter about even though it's not in this company um and also i did wonder like we've seen and we've talked about him going to wcw and them not really utilizing him the way they could have you know was it was it only the last one we got this thing against brett which yeah. is very good yeah but you can't really think of many other programs that that leapt out or matches that leapt out um because I, I fear Vince was right that they don't know what to do with a Bret Hart, and uh, I don't know that Bret would have thought that Vince Russo coming in is going to make things better for him because he hated that side of things. He he had already, uh, you know, voiced his concern about 
you know, making it lewd and over the top and all that kind of thing. He he didn't want that in WWE, so I imagine he's he's probably not that enthused even without you know what's what's just happened in his life. Yeah, he's probably not feeling all that enthusiastic. I wouldn't have thought. And ironically, Russo wanted to make him champion and, and build him, mm-hmm. which is just hilarious given everything that we sort of think about how they dealt with Brett since they came in. They made, mm-hmm. you know, everything they did was wrong, we think. Yeah. Um, then we laugh at Russo coming in. He, I, ironically, wanted to make him champion. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, Brett has got this match with the total package. Uh, no idea why. He's changed from yeah. from from yeah. Lex Luger to that. He again looks a little bit off the rails. Um, I don't know if yeah. what I know about what's went on with him and Elizabeth and all that clouds what I'm seeing yeah. here, but he just looks a bit weird. I got quite like there's a feeling of sadness. I think when you see the two of them together, because Definitely. you know what that is leading to, um, yeah. and obviously you know she's got her own. Her own issues, but yeah, it just it, it hit me a wee bit when they came out together. I was like, ah, can't be that long until she's going to be dead. It's not a great match. Brett's favouring his ankle. They've done an angle where Luger attacked him with a bat in a really sort of fangled way that they even went about showing yeah. you that video and all that. Yep. Um, Brett pretty much dominates most of the match until Luger can blindside him, get a half crab and Brett pretty much taps as soon as he gets that. It's, it's not yeah. good. Do, do you know how long it is from here until Goldberg basically ending Brett's career? Uh, I think that's around about uh, I think that's around about mid-2000. Okay. So not long. Yeah. Uh, Brett gets a run in the NWO with Jarrett and the Outsiders as okay. Heavyweight champion in W O two thousand, I think they called it. Sure, mm. it's up there with L O D two thousand. Um, and then he goes into the into a. a do, do you remember? Do you remember Goldberg punches a window in and like nearly loses yeah. his arm? That's yeah. round about then. And then they okay. go into that program, and then he kicks Brett in the head. And... Yeah. <laughs> Mad. Sad. Yeah. Backstage, we've got Tanae with Goldberg. He is... Just, I you fucking know, hate just Goldberg. A, just after what you said, my first bit in my notes is Goldberg says he will separate Sid's head from his body. And I'm <laughs> like, well, uh. Do you like Goldberg? Nah, I think when I, when, he was, when I was watching it when I was younger and, you know, talked before about the switching channels and stuff like that, I think he was maybe on the rise before I lost all interest in watching anything WCW. I don't think I saw much in terms of him being champion and things like that. It was more about the, the build-up. But I never thought it was about... You know, his his entrance, I think, was different. But I didn't think it was amazing. You know, I didn't think it was it hit me as special. Um, and he always seemed limited in the ring, even watching it as a youngster, I was like, well, you know, this is kind of just the same as last week, okay, that's fine. Um, I, I, it never grabbed me, and I, you always heard the, you know, people had a dream match, which was Goldberg against Austin and things like that, and you're like, they're not 
it's no, he's he's not he's not that. No, it's nowhere it's near f- that. Funny, it's like both are champion, both got bald heads and goatees, so like that. Yeah. It just, uh, I, I was the same. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm saying I hate him, but I, I think it's the way he's presented and the way he was booked and and how, mm-hmm. you know, if he'd had a mentor of some description. Yeah. Every time you, you, you hear these uh, interviews and, and all that sort of thing these days, you hear that everybody was in Goldberg's ear. He was very mm-hmm. green and, and Hogan and, yeah. and Nash and them were in his ear. So. Aye. Yeah. Uh, okay, I was a bit confused as to what was going on next. Um, I had to actually look up who this was because I don't think they said her name. And ah, right, okay. there was no like graphic came up, but it's Alundra Blaze or um, yeah. uh, Medusa, Medusa comes yeah. out. Uh, she looks like she's been, she certainly didn't look like this at SummerSlam <laughs> when she took on Bull Nakano. I'll tell you that much. She's uh, had some enhancements. Um, she comes out, she's got WCW Nitro Cologne. Um, yeah. I was so confused because I thought it was real, and I, I have to assume it's not. Because the reaction to it... They're talking about so, stinking and all that. Yeah, so the, the, I think the whole purpose of this, again, is another look at the writers, look at the writers moment. Because yeah. she has a rant about the fact that... I think she says... This the is how I'm, I'm being used here, or something. Yeah. The fact I'm out here in a bikini doing this is bullshit. Um, and she's sprayed at Heenan, who is recoiling in horror <laughs> at the smell of it. And then after she's had her rant, she pours it on Heenan. Um, and Shivani is, you know, mocking how it smells and stuff like that. So when when she first came out, I thought, you know, we've seen for for ages. We used to see Sunny in the t-shirts. You know, she would come out wearing the t-shirts and then Sable, and it'd be a way of selling the merch. So uh, they, they probably got me a wee bit in that. I thought, is this is this real cologne? Yeah, same. W, WCW cologne. Yeah, it's a weird. Again, it's it's all about Russo there. He just wants to. Do that. This is how we're using her, bro. Did, did WCW ever do women's matches? I, I kind of think that they did, did they? Maybe in 2000. Maybe. Now that you've said it, I don't really remember seeing it. Because they brought her over and she put the, the title in the bin. Yeah. And yeah. she was part of Dangerous Alliance, I think. But mm-hmm. more was, in a sort yeah. of on-screen, I'm here type thing. Ah, I don't remember anything. her having matches, and I don't really remember because we've. Seen, I, I remember we saw Jackie Jacqueline with Disco. That's oh, obviously an intergender match, but I don't remember her having on pay-per-views anyway matches with any other women either. Mm. Oh dear, strap in because this pay-per-view gets absolutely bonkers from here on out. Uh, what we got next? Sting versus Hogan. Okay, so they play Hogan's music. He's a challenger. He comes out first, um, except for he doesn't appear. So instead of telling us what's going on, they then just play Sting's music. So Sting just comes out. Yeah. And then they they do like the did you restart your computer? So they they play Hogan's music again. He finally appears. He's got jeans and like cut off shirt on and boots on. So you know something's going on. Uh, Hogan gets in the ring, goes face-to-face with Sting. They're supposed to be fighting for the World Heavyweight title. Um, Hogan lies down. Sting reluctantly covers him. 
gets the three. Hogan gets up and walks back through the. Uh, uh, th- uh, <laughs> Hogan gets. Hogan walks, then walks back out. Yeah. What is supposed? What? What, what, what are we supposed to think here? Is this supposed to be? Is this a work shoot? Like Pro- probably. I I would have had no doubt in my mind if Russo wasn't there at the time that Hogan had had a backstage tantrum and that this is all he was willing to do uh, because he was told he was going to lose or whatever. Uh But with the fact Russo is there, I would be more inclined to think that this was the plan and Russo has designed it this way to make Hogan look like this. And then rant about the plan and the writers and stuff like that, just because just because Russo's there. That's yep. that's the only reason I think that. And apparently, the plan was, like I said earlier, take Hogan off TV, along with Flair and Savage, and bring Hogan back as a run as Teddy Bollea. I mean, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> There's no brand like, recognition, bro. I mean, can you imagine if they? You've got Hulk Hogan, right? You want to build younger guys. Now, he may take some talking into this, but imagine giving a, an up-and-coming guy a win against Hogan. Not Terry Bollea, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> if you beat Hulk Hogan, that is a moment. That's a huge moment. Um, and, we, you know, we've seen we've seen over years some legends do do it that way you know Mm -hmm. they'll put a guy we've seen it fairly recently with Cena I think he has given Mm -hmm. the rub to a few younger less established talents Hogan Um, did it for Brock Lesnar he did yeah 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 I'm just I was actually trying to think if there's anybody on this card who could have actually um, benefited from that Benoit is about the only one he's probably he's probably as high up yeah. Uh, it might not have been... I mean, imagine, though, they decided... Disco? We're, we're, uh, imagine they decided we're going to go with Benoit. You know, that then you could you could do it and you could get a huge amount out of that, but I imagine Hogan would say he's too small or something like that. It's not, not at my not, level. Not tanned enough, brother. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, just, just nonsensical. I, I don't understand how these things keep happening on Halloween Havocs. <laughs> There's probably some folk in that crowd really excited for a Sting Hogan match, and that's <sighs> what that's what I was thinking about as well. Like that, that that's where this feels like an episode of Nitro, like an extended episode of Nitro. Mm. I'd, I definitely quit. You lose fans that way, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Okay. <sighs> Uh, uh, so, so, like after he pins them they cut immediately to a promo for Sid and Goldberg and Shivani and he and they're going oh what's going on what's going on um, yeah. so it is relatively effective in, in making you at least question what's going on mm-hmm. yeah I'll tell you what I didn't like right at the start here Tony Shivani has been talking all through that previous match about how the challenger comes out first <laughs> Challenger has to come out first. When it's the title match, Challenger comes out first. Immediately from that into a US title match and said the champion is out first. Yeah. Come on, Tony. It's like it's written. <laughs> to, to, to be poor. Yeah. So for 
again, the US title goes above the World Heavyweight title. Why is that? We don't know, really, yeah, do we? Yeah. Um, Sid comes out. He's he's already been beat up. He's got a bit of blood on his face. Uh, followed by Goldberg, and Scott Hall appears out of nowhere and attacks. Goldberg uh, does his best to remind people that on WWF, there's a far superior <laughs> brand going on with the DX Sucket. He does it about a million times. Yeah. Um, Nash joins him, the beat-up Goldberg. Of course, that doesn't phase Goldberg one iota. He just fucking fights them off and beats the living shit out of Sid. And I had so many issues with this. I, I I actually wondered earlier in the show where's uh, Hall and Nash, and I thought, are they on the bench right now? Are they uh, maybe just sitting at home getting their money? And then I saw them appear, and I thought, oh, okay, okay, but not actually in ring. But um, you've got like Sid is a monster. Sid's huge. Sid is legitimately terrifying. If you ran into Sid, you're turning the other way. You're you're doing a runner. Um, and I I would have got like had this, you know. You're clearly trying to stack the deck. You're trying to make things as difficult for Goldberg as you possibly can. Okay, fine. But it's not that he gets attacked on the outside, then he goes in, and it's a struggle, and it's a slog, and all that. He just fucking destroys him. (laughs) We've said this before, it's like they almost stack the deck against the heel. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Like, Sid's almost made to be um, the baby face where he's mm-hmm. fighting from underneath. And yeah. you've, you get more respect for Sid out of this match than anybody because yeah, he's I just mean, willing he, to never say die. Yeah, he's been attacked. He's a bloody mess from the start. And then you think, well, are they evening it up a wee bit here uh, by, by having Nash and Hall go after? But I still, like, every time I watch him, I still like Sid. Like, oh, kind of regardless of what's going on. The, I, I've I've gone a wee bit sassy in my notes because I keep writing Gilberg. Uh, Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, oh, Heenan. I love Bobby Heenan, but he goes far too far here. What does he say? He refers to Goldberg as one of the biggest names in wrestling history. Now, come on, Bobby. You don't need to say history. Stop it at wrestling, it's fine. Uh, but yeah, like you say, Sid Kite, he's got this he won't quit thing going on, which, uh, you know, at least I suppose there's a there's a way back for him after that uh, in another programme against another opponent. But... Uh, do you know? Do you know what's an underrated aspect of Sid's game is he's selling. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was yeah. watching Kurt Hennig mixed with Dolph Ziggler in their prime, just bumping about all over the place. He's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, he's a good seller, and I, I kind of like. I'm not a huge fan of blood in wrestling anymore, but there is something about somebody who won't quit when there is blood all over their face. There's, there's something about that. I agree. However. On a pay-per-view where the guy has to give up the match because of the amount of blood that he's lost, and you then follow a match with a guy covered in blood, and the match just goes on and on and on, <laughs> it doesn't make that much sense. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yep. I thought Sid quit, but it didn't at all. The referee stopped it. Yeah, um, the ref stopped because it. of the amount of blood he was losing. 
Sid wants to keep fighting, but Rick Steiner comes out. I, I, zero, you know, I zero idea why Rick Steiner was here. <laughs> yep, yep. He, he just he's seems aligned with Sid, though. Trying to save Sid for himself, but that bit of the story had absolutely not been told because no. that was just out of absolutely nowhere. I think the only saving grace for me with this whole thing was the entire match. I was so scared of Goldberg doing like the the Jack, Jack Hammer. I, I I didn't want to see that, and thankfully didn't have to see it here. So Goldberg gets his, his vengeance and gets his win. Although he seem he doesn't take the bell, he seems pretty unsatisfied with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so you know, maybe he'll get another chance at, at fighting somebody else tonight, who knows? Um this is where they then show us the footage of uh Ric Flair and Kimberly in the hotel room. By this point I am ready to switch this off. He did not need to show me this now. Uh, then Sting comes out to the ring looking probably as pissed off as he actually is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he says he didn't come to Vegas for the night off, throws out an open challenge for later tonight. They must have could have been able to do that for the back, surely. Come on. <laughs> um, now, I think I've got a note from someone else, so I'm confused here. Anyway, we go in our strap match between DDP and Ric Flair. This outstayed its welcome a little uh, bit, did it not? There's, there were so many matches on this card that I thought went on an unnecessary amount of time, and this was another one. Like, I've, I've got some notes, I can walk through it, but I had lost interest. I was done. Um, <laughs> there's, the, there's the straps are attached. Um, they end up fighting on the outside, fight through the crowd, through the stands. Um, I've got them back at the towards the ring. Oh, I've got in my notes. Flair plants a kiss on Kimberly. Mm-hmm. Uh, he thinks he's on that plane again. Um, <laughs> hey, look I am. Um, I am. Oh, I'm really bored. Uh, Flair's busted open. Uh, DDP. Then it seems like he goes through a moment where he's like. I've kind of had enough myself. I'm done with playing. I'm just going to dominate now. Um, and he, I think he, he puts him in the announce, announce table. Um, there's there's a funny moment there. Heenan immediately moves when they're going towards the announce table. And you've heard the stories about him and neck problems and stuff like that. So I imagine <laughs> he was very happy to get away from that immediately. But Shivani kind of sneaks away like a cartoon <laughs> villain. <laughs> like the camera's right there and can see him, but he's like sneaking in the background, which which amused me. And if I'm picking up on things like that, I'm probably not that into the <laughs> match. <Check too. laughs> um, so DDP uh, is thinking he's got the pin, but Flair kicks out. Uh, low blow by Flair, and then he he starts to get more into the match. Um, Kimberly doing the facial expressions of a very troubled person uh, at this point, thinking that her man's going to get beat. Um, Flair locks in the figure of four. Um, DDP uh, choking Flair with the strap, and then uh, DDP hits the diamond car. And the bell rings, but it kind of didn't look like the ref actually counted three. No, it, it counted two and then did like a delayed, mm. but not in a playful. We he did it in a shit. I don't think he was supposed to go down for three. We mm-hmm. DDP's yeah. wildly pissed off. I don't know if he's playing yeah. at it or not, but he, he ends up diamond cutter. Poor Charles Robinson. Yeah, 
Yeah, because all I was thinking was, remember he used to get referred to as Little Nature or something yep. like that, and he was at times aligned with Flair, and I thought, is this anything to do with that? But I wasn't <laughs> sure it was supposed to be. Um, we got David Flair coming out to make the save while DDP's choking Flair, but Kimberly, oh, I've got knees him in the dick. Uh, <laughs> in <my> own... <laughs> Uh, takes a crowbar, gives it to DDP, who hits Flair in the same region with it. Um, DDP diamond cutter on David Flair, uh, and they're just kind of the two Flares are just kind of laying there, quite near each other on on the mat. Kimberly has thoroughly enjoyed all of this these last few minutes. She looks delighted. Um, I, I, kinda, get, I was kind of getting like Ric Flair's been murdered. Here, yeah, a wee bit, yeah. yeah. Charles Robinson was actually crying, and um, <laughs> the, you know that episode of Friends where Joey's doing the acting classes, yeah, and he, he they're tell he's telling them how to cry, and he says yeah. you take a little pair of tweezers and, and you start pulling. <laughs> That's what David Flair made me think of. Uh, he had like a sort of confused trying to force out a crocodile tear. There, there was nothing like natural about David no. Flair. Not so. Um, so we get medics uh, helping Rick uh, putting a, a brace round his neck, um, and they are going to wheel him out towards the ambulance. But the action is not done there. Indeed, the filthy animals come flying out of nowhere, kick Flair off of his off his stretcher. They've got Tory on the on the video camera. They chuck him in the back of the. The ambulance and and take off. They've kidnapped him, kidnapped yeah. the corpse of Ric Flair. Yeah, for what nice. nefarious reason? <laughs> so we're not we're not done yet. We're not done. So Sting comes out to the ring, uh, and then so there's Goldberg. They parade around the ring for quite some time. Sting has to shout into the camera, there's no ref. <laughs> and uh, on commentary they say, well, it's not going to be Charles Robinson. He's just witnessed his best friend be murdered. And then out of nowhere, Lil Nate comes flying down like Usain Bolt and sweat, sweeps into the ring. He moved on really quickly <laughs> from what he'd just seen. And the, 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 the bit of a beating he'd taken as well. But no, nah, he's, he's, he's fine. He's good to he's go. Good. He's good. Uh, Goldberg sort of does his, you know, he continues how he's um, sold against Flair and uh, sold against Sid and just no sells everything Sting does. Yeah. Like to the point where it's inc- like really frustrating to watch. Yeah. I, that... I think Sting hits a spear and Goldberg gets up and does a spinning back kick in his face. Yep. I, I I think there's a moment for no selling in certain circumstances. I don't think th- this would never be it. <laughs> it like this is Sting. This is, you know, one of the biggest stars in the history of this company. And you can you can build your who you want to be your top guy without absolutely burying everyone else. Absolutely. <sighs> the Undertaker can get away with no selling. A Samoan, if you headbutt him, no selling. Yeah. Hogan, if he's hulking up, no up. selling's yeah. fine. Yeah. But not just like getting smashed up. What is it? He gets three stinger splashes and just immediately mm-hmm. spears yeah. him. Nonsense. Nonsense. Anyway, 
he, yeah, like I said, Sting hits three Stinger splashes. Uh, so naturally, Goldberg goes off the ropes and, and spears him, hits a jackhammer. We've been told that this is a non-title match, and uh, Charles Robinson picks up the belt and gives it to Goldberg. Yeah. That confused me. For the second time of the night, looks confused to be being handed a belt. I assume he he has become champion here, just because of the way it went down, but it was definitely said early on that it was a non-title. So, I bet you could, if I gave you a million scenarios, you could not work out what they did the following night. They said that uh, it was a non-title match, so Goldberg was not the champion. Okay. However, because Sting Scorpion death dropped Charles Robinson, he was stripped of the title to leave the title okay. as vacant. Because okay. they want because Russo wanted to do a tournament. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Just a mess. A, a mess from top to bottom this pay per view was. Not in an entertaining is, way. Is that the worst one? I was thinking this. Like because I, so. I know we had a couple of stinkers along the way, but I think this was the worst one. Like at least with some of those ones round about the mid nineties where there was some creative decisions where we were just like, Oh, like mm-hmm. they've done the one thing that you wouldn't want them to do. But the wrestling was pretty good. Yeah. In between times, but some of this was just diabolical. Yeah. My my yeah. wife came in towards the end, I was just sitting shaking my head. I was like, I just need to get to the end of this. And she says, it's no very good. And I was, I was like, no, it's absolutely awful. But she said, but do you think, she said, look at all the people that are there. Do you not think, do you think at the time that they would have enjoyed, like this would have been good at the time? And I thought that was a really good question because I don't know the answer. That's a good question. Like the, I was frustrated and annoyed at the end, but I'm pretty sure the crowd popped big for Goldberg getting that win. Um, and you know, I'm not a Goldberg fan, but clearly a lot of people were at yep. the time. Um, I, I just like, I like wrestling, and there wasn't enough of it, and there wasn't enough, like in match, in ring story. You know, there there was a lot of nonsense on the periphery of it. I think, and maybe really rushed. You know, if if uh, Russo and Ferrara have only been in so long and this is a pay-per-view. Yeah, maybe they've not. I, I would maybe have watched it and thought, we'll give them we'll give them a couple more. We'll see, yeah. you know, where it goes. But, you know, we kind of know where it goes. Um, but it, I do imagine, without a Vince McMahon, is this just what WWF would have looked like? <laughs> it probably is. Yep. Yeah. Um, Cornette's once done a, a bit on his... A podcast and it's about like a 45 minute to an hour bit and it's just yeah I think he's got a bit of paper that were all Vince Russo ideas and some of the oh, ideas on them are I've unbelievable yeah I've heard about it so that oh. was 99 I think you're right I think this was the worst one I think it was I'd said to you before I didn't want to look at 2000 but I think we need perking up do you want to look at it- two- what if it does the opposite? Oh, we should see what the main event is. Oh. <laughs> I've looked, sorry. Okay, you have to tell me. If you've looked, just tell me. Okay. 
an odd commentary team. Tony Schiavone, Mark Madden, Stevie Ray and Conan. That is odd. Okay. Uh, back in Las Vegas. Okay, here we go. WCW World Tag Team Title Match. The Natural Born Thrillers, which is Jindrak and O'Hare. Versus okay. the Boogie Knights, Alex Wright and Disco. Oh, they have aligned them. <laughs> They've aligned the dancers. Okay. Yes, it's Disco, how, D-I-S-Q-O. And like, how are they spelling knights in Boogie Nights? With a K. Like the knights of the boogie? Is that yes. either? Yes, Yeah, okay, okay. That's funny they've aligned them, eh? <laughs> Berlin, maybe. I wonder if the Berlin Wall has... F- <laughs> no, uh, what was that? Natural Born Thrillers versus Boogie Nights versus the Filthy Animals, Billy Kidman and Rick okay. Mysterio. Okay. Triangle match, that's called. A WCW hardcore title match. Reno, also known as Rick Cornell, versus Sergeant AWOL. Again, okay. no idea who that is. Sergeant AWOL. Okay. Okay, tag team match. The perfect event. Chuck Palumbo and Sean yes. Stasiak. No. Okay. Versus the Misfits in Action, Corporal Cajun and Lieutenant Loco. That's Lash LaRue. So there's there's a there's a sergeant in the previous match, there's a lieutenant and a corporal in this match. Are they all I'm gonna have to assume they're all aligned. Stop that. Corporal Cajun is Lash LaRue and Lieutenant Loco is Chavo Guerrero. <laughs> oh, Just when wow. you thought Kerwin White wasn't, was the worst gimmick that he's ever had. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, we've got a mixed tag team match. The franchise and Tory Wilson versus the filthy animals Conan and Tigress. Tigress? <laughs> <laughs> no idea, aka Nitro Girl Tigress. DNA First Blood Match. Oh, God. is it? I, I'm, I am like, <laughs> I would assume that you're just mocking me here, but I'm thinking that's real. No, David Flair versus Bug Bath Buck. Oh, my. <laughs> David Flair versus Buff Bagwell in a D- DNA First Blood Match. Oh my god, this is just crazy. WCW Commissionership three down kickboxing match. <laughs> Mike Sanders, who has no <laughs> who has no other alter egos apart from Mike Sanders versus the cat. Was that's that it. Ernest Miller? That's Ernest Miller, yeah. He is with Miss Jones, also known as Nitro Girl Chameleon. This this is like the first year of NXT where you don't know anybody's names. They've just taken people oh, wow. from the Indies. Uh, why is it? For, why would you have a kickboxing match for the commission? Okay, okay, fine. Is this their response to Brawl for all? Uh, they've seen how well it went. <laughs> Give Bart Gunn a phone, see if, see if he's up for another one. Uh, singles match, Mike Awesome versus Vampiro. Okay. Oh my god. Oh, I'm going to struggle to say this. 
WCW <laughs> WCW on, United States Heavyweight Title Two on One Handicap Match. Team Canada, Jim Duggan and Lance Storm with Major Guns. What is with all the military versus General Rex? <laughs> That's that's Bill Demott. Like I remember, he had that name. <laughs> like, I think they they started it. Now I don't know why I know this, but I think they started it as General E. Rection, and it was maybe two on the nose, and they had to drop the E. <laughs> oh, can I take this? General Rex. Jim, who thought who had Jim Duggan returning after the oh. last time we saw him? Didn't he beat Austin the last time we saw him? Oh, I've made a mistake in looking up Major Guns. Who's Major Guns? Tylee American, is, is it a, an a American woman? pornographic actress model, <laughs> ham girl, and Only former professional wrestler in Valley. <laughs> okay. Has she got major guns? I think I've figured out what the guns are. <laughs> I think I'm I'm there now. I'm, I'm yeah. Big muscle. Sting versus Jeff Jarrett. Yep. Okay. Okay. World heavyweight title match. Booker T versus Scott Steiner. Fine. Okay. Yeah. What has what, what been billed here as the final match on the card, which I'm assuming is the main event? A two-on-one handicap elimination match. Goldberg versus Chronic. <laughs> and that's after the world title match. Yep. Brian Adams and Brian Clark, who I would probably have assumed was the same person. So, yeah, that's I think one Adam of them. Bomb and Crush. Yeah. Wow, what a team! Yeah, I was going to say one of them's Crush. I couldn't remember which which way round, but yeah, Crush's oh. Crush's signature moves are quite impressive. Cranium Crunch. Choke slam, press slam, and heart punch. Oh yeah, the good old heart punch. To watch it for that Goldberg. Should no sell that. I'm just checking because you've walked me through the card. This is the last one. This is the last one. Then we've got the NXT ones after that. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> yep, this is the last one. A, a lovely way to to bookend the year. Oh my god, General okay. Erection has sent me. Why did they think that that's alright? Look I at can all just them. imagine Vince Russo pissing himself. He probably came up with the General Erection, then he's. Is he, is he gone by now? It's probably like, uh, let's just take out the E and then it's not controversial anymore. Whoever's come up with the Boogie Nights. Is... Yeah, so Disco is like Cisco, but with a D now. <laughs> Mark Jindrak was he was originally supposed to be an evolution, wasn't he? They they, they filmed they, yeah. they took the Batista role, didn't they? Yeah, and then I think it was the other members were like, nah. <laughs> he I don't really think he's the guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably in hindsight the right decision, I would have thought. I'm just gonna check what cage match users oh, an overall rating of two point zero four. This has got Let's just check what ninety nine got because that's oh dear oh no oh no 
99 got 3.5. Oh, no. It's more than a point worse than 99. <laughs> there's, there's zero wrestling observer. Um, what do you call oh. it? Ratings for, for 99. Which isn't that surprising. Last one. We it's can the last do one. We're almost there. We're, we're going to watch Final Destination, so that should yeah. help. Maybe That's death. Maybe we could do some sort of crossover where death then starts stalking all the people on this card. Maybe the well. people that allowed this card to air yeah. and the book yeah, to play out the way it did. Probably yeah. Kevin Sullivan. <laughs> um. Well, indeed, yes. Let's go out with a bang for <laughs> 2023. Yeah, I, I often say so. We'll look forward to that. Jeff Jarrett versus Sting might be alright. It might be alright, yeah. I wonder might what General be. Rection wears. Jinky wears a purple helmet. I was just thinking, can you imagine, like, even if it was discussed in the back, you know, Jeff Jarrett's uh, uh, an old school kind of guy. Can you imagine, you know, looking at year to year, anyone saying in the back, right, you know, you're you're the young guy, you're up and coming, so we're going to put you over on Sting. What we want you to do is absolutely no-sell his moves. <laughs> I'm fairly sure Jarrett would be like, no. <laughs> yeah, no. That's not how it works. I'm not the biggest <laughs> Jeff Jarrett fan, but I'm pretty sure he would have just said absolutely not. It's not happening. <sighs> oh, dear. Right. Let's get out of here. You're going to go watch it now, aren't you? I am going to start tonight, so we're 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 gonna do the follow up show a little bit earlier than we usually would. Um, so I am gonna start watching it so that I can do things like get drunk at the weekend. That that's kind of my plan. You might need to after watching this. To be fair, it might. Yeah, it might lead to some, you know, drinking in the house beforehand, which I don't really do very often, but it might send me there. This seems yeah. like an appropriate time. Okay, well, take it easy, and we shall speak again next week. Um, and we can discuss which WCW pay-per-view we're going to follow this journey up with. Don't. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, take it easy, buddy. Cheers. Speak to you soon.